Oh, hello, you just caught me in bed. Uh, welcome to another episode of Rahala Stubber this week with Izzy Lawrence. This is a really, really funny one. I hope you're going to enjoy it. Um, I'm a little bit laid up uh, in bed. No spoilers for the coming weeks because there's lots of fun to be had. Uh, I think I'm uh, on the mend. Uh, I've had a little operation this week. Um, but uh, hopefully Rahalastapur will continue. I'm taking a little break from uh, all my other stupid podcasts uh, until I'm back on my feet. But uh, thank you for your continued support. Thanks for all the nice wishes of uh, get well soon. I hope I will get well soon. Um, and uh, do support us if you can. com slash badges. Uh, your money will be spent on more podcasts or a lavish funeral for me. If uh, if things go wrong, so, um, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling very good as long as I don't sneeze, cough, laugh, or look down there. Oh my God! What have they done to me? All right, kids, have a great time. This is Rahala Stapa with the fantastic Izzy Lawrence. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who keeps forgetting that he has to do this. Keep. Uh, introducing himself thing and doesn't come up with anything. It's Richard Herring! Hello, my fan friends. Welcome to another episode of uh, Richard Herring's lip-smacking, thirst-quenching, ace-tasting, motivating, good-buzzing, cool-talking, high-walking, fast-living, never-giving, cool-fizzing podcast. Oh, yeah, I was talking to the people who marketed Pepsi in the uh, 1970s, uh, and... They call it Rahalasta Quat Good. So here we are. We're back for another show. It feels like we've done a lot this week. And we have, because we were at the Clapham Grand um, uh, last week, last Saturday, and did an unprecedented two shows in one night. It's never happened before. And uh, it's impossible. It's impossible to do. So you will have enjoyed those at home. If you're watching on Twitch, they are. Coming up soon with uh, Nish Kumar and uh, Lou Sanders. It was lots of fun. It was great to be out in the real world. Socially distanced, no audience, but people online. We might do some more. Do tune in and uh, buy a ticket so you can see them live if we do some more. Because it's a good way to help keep theatres going and keep us going. Mainly because my money that I got from these podcasts usually came from the door money. So COVID... Was great for me. Uh, news just in, hot off the presses. A Sky News, a single. This won't be for you if you listen to the podcast. A single Coke can would be big enough to contain all the COVID nineteen causing virus currently circulating in the world, according to a British mathematician. Um, what I want to know is why aren't they all just putting it? Why aren't they put it all in there then? If there's this Coke can that we can put it all in, come on, Boris Johnson. I mean, the danger of putting it in the Coke can. This is why you shouldn't trust experts. It's because someone down the line is going to see that Coke can, think there's Coke in it, open up and drink it, and the whole problem's going to start again, in it? So why not put it in a can? Mark, warning, COVID, don't put it in a Coke can. Scientists, you're useless. That's why we're in this situation. Um, and, oh, I had a picture for that and everything, and I forgot to put it up. Is it, uh, let's have a look. Is it that one? Look, I put that up all uh, just before the show because I literally wrote that joke on twitter 20 minutes ago that's how that's how up to the minute this is uh and uh, other news uh a, there were 17,000 new podcasts created every month in 2020 that's cool but uh 
I only did 16,995 new ones every month. So who did the other five? Back off, whoever it was. Was it Ed Gamble? This is my... Tr- no one else can do podcasts. Um, and uh, I, I've been... My news is I've been... Uh, I've been in hospital with a mystery uh, testicle-based illness, which, you know, hopefully we'll be able to joke about down the line. Um, I'm feeling quite well, but uh, I did have to go into a CT scanner uh, this week. It was like being Quaid in Total Recall, so it wasn't all too bad. Uh, and that's what I was imagining as it was happening. Uh, but I was this, I was sort of slightly put out to find out that the CT scanner, if you can see a picture of it there, is made by the same people who make my washing machine and my microwave. Uh and if I'm going to have my organ scanned, I want it by someone who's specialised, not someone who's just, oh, let's try. What if they put microwave technology in there? What if it's a, what if it's a washing machine and all my organs are pulped up? And I only chose my microwave and my washing machine because the company made them are called Siemens. And if that's the way the, way the hospital are choosing as well, that is not a good way to choose a CT scanner. Um uh, what well, I, I should have been concentrating on having all the instructions I was getting at the time, but I became fixated on the fact that on this pristine CT machine, just above my eye level, there was a sort of dent and crack in it. And there's no way that like someone's rolled a trolley into that. That's in a special room. And I was just wondering how the fuck did that dent get in that machine? What has a previous person done? It was Quaid going nuts and escaping from someone's had a struggle or so maybe that you're not allowed to wear anything metal, so maybe something had pinged up and hit it or come out. Someone's something artificial hip had come out. I shouldn't have been thinking about this stuff. I should have been thinking about my own mortality. Um, and I've had I've been in a CT machine once before, and I I only remembered that because uh, they did the same thing where they say we're going to put this dye into. They put a thing in your arm, and then they put dye into your blood to make it easier to see your organs. Uh, and I remembered that had happened before, and they said we do have to warn you that there's a chance that while you're having this done, you will feel like you've urinated and, and you've slept yourself. But you won't have, don't worry, it won't be the thing. And I was really looking forward to that. And it didn't feel like that. All that happened is my arm oh. hurt a bit. And I was really looking forward. And that, and I was the last time I did this as well. So I'm very disappointed to have been in a CT machine, not had a, a Total Recall style uh, meltdown and not felt like I pissed myself. What's the point in paying for the NHS? If we can't even feel like we've pissed ourselves, that is my question to you. So, um, right, I think I'm okay, but I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Um, he, he, he who lives by the genitals dies by the genitals. So that is that. I've, I've already started writing the show just in case. So uh, that's what we do as comedians. You know, there's a part of me thinking. No, losing a testicle wouldn't be all that bad. Now, and speaking of that, that leads us to, <laughs> to this week's guest, who is probably best known for being a producer of Rock and Roll's Greatest Failure, Otway the Movie. Will you please welcome? <laughs> That's what she's best known for. It's Izzy Lawrence, ladies and gentlemen. There you are. Where... This is the best intro ever. Hey, guys, I've got bad balls. <laughs> and hey, my guest actually donated to John Otway, the fool. So, the John, I was thought there was one entry on IMDb for you, which is that. And I thought, oh, that's quite. That's quite yeah. impressive. She's the producer of a film that I clicked on it for some reason. And there were like 250, maybe more producers to that film. So 
I'm guessing he convinced a, a lot of us to donate. It was a sort of Kickstarter, true. get a production yeah. credit. But but good on whoever did that and typed all that in, which I'm guessing <laughs> is John Otway. Um, I imagine so. Um, for actually following through and calling people producers, I don't. I do that sometimes with this show, and I don't know if mm-hmm. the executive producers ever end up on IMDb. I should check. I think you can just go and put yourself on there, but you might have to become IMDb Pro, which I am. So I could put you on if you are. Get in touch. No, mm-hmm. don't. I'm not. I'm not promising that. Uh, do you like John Otway particularly, or did you, have you forgotten about that? I, pay, I basically I got drunk, went to one of his concerts, thought you were brilliant, and gave him money because <laughs> you know he is brilliant. He is an institution in he his is. own little way, and uh, what's not to love? So I, I mean, gave him a bit of money. He is pretty incredible, and I remember I went to Edinburgh, and I didn't know who he was. I went to Edinburgh in night the first time in nineteen eighty seven, I think. Yeah, it was, and. Um, Stuart Lee said, we're going to go and see this guy, John Otway. He's kind of this old, he's this legendary figure from the old days. (laughs) And that was 30 years ago. 35 years ago. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, And he still is the exact same thing. Uh, But he was great. I I went to see, I must have done that like 2012 or something. Yeah, it's 2013. Yeah, there you go. That's where that's your production, uh, and that's your only. Well, have you not been on TV at all, Izzy Lawrence? Well, I I do, but I don't know if my stuff gets made. So I, I I'm a talking head on quite a lot of things. Yeah, that's usually I've I got loads of those to pick from. I know, I I but I've done like like yeah. Last week I was doing the Royals in Color. Okay. Um, and exactly, and I do things about you know I did I did during lockdown. This is what I've been doing. I haven't been doing like comedy and that sort of thing. I've been stood in front of a camera whilst a producer in another room yells at me through perspex the questions which I have to deliver lovingly and wonderfully and the rest of it. So yeah, um, I have no idea. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm basically not really on the internet despite being almost totally on the internet. That's, that's hard to believe. A, you've got the best camera quality of any guest we have had uh, there we go. by far. I mean, like We've had Richard Osman who's a TV producer does not own a laptop terrible could barely hear him speak um and uh yeah uh, bethany hughes looked like she was underwater you're 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 the the, that's the only time someone's been i thought that's actually as good a picture as i'm getting so congratulations oh thank you very Um, much i'll take that i'll put that on my own db yeah you you should do possibly you've got two i'm no it might be that they didn't realize you were the same person i might have just found that that the top one was the you might have another one I, I don't. I literally have no internet presence other than the thing I get. If you Google Izzy I S Z I, you yeah. just get me. There's yes. just me for pages and pages, and it's all written by me, largely. It's well, that's the way <laughs> to do it. Uh, and I do say that I've created all those podcasts, but you, I was unaware of quite how. I knew you did some podcasts because I've been on a couple of them, but uh, yeah. you, you, you're vying for doing as many podcasts as me and hardly any of them are just stupid rubbish of people messing around like most of mine are there are there are a few of those, <laughs> there are a couple i mean there are a couple there's so for for about six or seven years me and my friend simon did a podcast called sunday supplement where we reviewed last week's sunday supplements newspapers to work out which paper you should have bought last sunday okay <laughs> which cost us a lot and it's literally there's only so many podcasts you could do about glamping because that's all that was ever in the sunday supplements oh glamping's back and it was ah oh, it went you went absolutely but like like really good journalists like carol cadwallader who does all of the sort of you know like yeah. big you know you know, corruption things now she was writing in those sunday supplement newspapers about 10 years ago and it's 
brilliant because I, I was like Carol Cadwallader and I always looked out for her because her name sounds like you know a bicycle falling down the stairs so you know she so I, we, we did that one and every time we tried to stop it about eight nerds bombarded us every day so you can't stop but then we came up with an idea for another podcast called Seti Sopo which yes. we're doing instead with the advantage that we do not have to buy a newspaper every week so that is good <laughs> so that is a that's a, a podcast about the opposites you're trying to find the opposites yeah which so is to, it's opposite like, backward is the title yeah, exactly. So you find the opposite of things which do not have a natural opposite. Yeah. Like what is the opposite of a motorway? And that's Tarama Salata. Okay. For various reasons. And we've got a wiki and you can go through. And yes, we know tea bags is on twice. We know. Okay. But, you know. There's two so... types of tea bags, though, aren't there? So that's. There that's are the two right. types of tea There's bags. Maybe we should specify that. Yeah. That might work. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so people, people sort of like, you know, we get suggestions from people every week and they're sort of like, toasters! Flannels! And, you know, then we, we try and discuss it and fill 20 minutes. And it's it's really bad. Um, I think, but, no, it's, you know, it's, it's an enjoy. Well, that's what podcasts should be, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's why so many of mine are that. Well, uh, but I'm, it's just people wasting their own and everyone else's time. But actually, it's still very <laughs> interesting. And then you can see, I can see you still. I would listen to the, the episode where you were saying God was the opposite of uh, tard, the TARDIS. So that's one that maybe it's the most recent. Uh, you say, what's the opposite of the TARDIS? I don't agree with you that God... I mean, God and the TARDIS are almost the same. You could argue that the TARDIS is God. No, because the TARDIS doesn't create anything, does it? It just goes from place to place. Well, but that might well. be what God is. But God, it has the ability God's to travel... everywhere all the time. So is the fucking the TARDIS. TARDIS. The TARDIS is everywhere all the time. No, but it's not. It's there for a bit of the time because it's never there when you want it in order to make the plot work. <laughs> but it is because it eventually will go everywhere if it's, it exists forever. And even if the universe is infinite, it will eventually be everywhere and have been everywhere and can still go back to anywhere it, it wants to breaks. go, which is the same as God. It breaks. it breaks. Yeah, but God breaks, doesn't he? Or she. Because that's or why the world's in such a mess. Yeah, maybe. And, you know, where's God been? You know, God comes and goes. and It's, it's 2,000 years since uh, he was possibly last here. I have a question for you about yep. the TARDIS. Yeah, right. okay. Because, you. you know, you, you, you do this question where you say, you know, does... A man in history suck his own cock, yeah. right? And you've asked a few people if Doctor Who sucked his own cock, right? Because it's important information. We need to know. Don't you think that in the TARDIS there would be a door whereby you, the Doctor, could put yeah. his cock through, yeah, and then Doctor in the future or the past come through and suck his own cock? Well, I mean, in a way, it doesn't need to be a door. Neck. They they meet up, don't they, all the time? So they could. It's difficult now for the Doctor to suck her own cock. That but, is true, that is true. But, you know, we Although, don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. I mean, there could be, if, if the doctors get to suck each other's cocks because yeah. they can go that far in time, I yeah. mean, it could be that David Tennant is going, oh, no, in the future I lose all my teeth. <laughs> but would you, if you were the doctor, yeah. suck your cock first yeah. and then get your cock sucked? <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, or the other way around? So now, my main is, problem uh, with this... Important... My main problem with this is I don't think I've ever asked this question about Doctor Who, and you said I've done it loads of times. I don't think I ever have. I think you have. And uh, if I was Doctor Who, it would what? So uh, if I'm William, if the, it's I'm William Hartnell. Is yeah. that what you said? Or, or actually, yeah. no, it goes back. Now it's got confusing because the Doctor's been around forever and, and is a fucking god. So I'm, I think I don't really understand what's happening in Doctor Who, but I do still watch it without understanding. Uh, if I was, <laughs> if I was William Hartnell, I, mm. I think I would. I, I think I would have, if I was William Hartnell, I just have, wouldn't have even thought about sucking my own cock. And then one wow. of the other doctors would have turned up and sucked it and I'd have gone, wow. 
all right. <laughs> and then having done that, he would then come back another time. Go remember that time that I sucked <laughs> your cock, and they'll go, yeah, we go with you know, come on, that's the, the deal. You can't just that you got to give as well. And then he reluctantly would. So if I was William Hartnell, if I was Colin Baker, yeah, I'd just be I'd just be sucking everyone's cock if I was Colin Baker, in the hope that they oh liked me. God. I've already right. I've already upset Colin Baker. He won't talk to me anymore because I said he was the worst Doctor Who. <laughs> in an article, it was only a joke. It's true, but it was only a joke. <laughs> That's the thing about comedy, you know. It's funny because it's true. So he yeah, I, I, thank you for that, Richard. I'm glad you cleared that up for thank me because that's and very important. Colin Baker to f- follow up from the Danny Robbins episode where I said that magnitude from Community was uh, in. Time, gentlemen, please, on the quiz team. Colin Baker was on that quiz team as well, playing a, wow. And he put on a stupid voice as well. He's fucked. <laughs> yeah, the last minute, I think, he just he rehearsed something and then suddenly at the last minute changed it to a I had a really voice. freaky moment once. I was sat in a cafe in Chiswick, you know, just down the road from Headliners, the yep. comedy club. I know it. Sat in a cafe, having, like, rap or something. Next to me, in walks in this young family, right? David Tennant sits next to me. Wow. Fucking Sophie thingy fucking the doctor's wife, who's also the doctor's daughter, yeah. is there. And then she brought her daughter in. So it's the doctor's daughter, wow. the doctor's daughter. And I'm just there going, I'm eating my wrap. I'm saying nothing. This is amazing. <laughs> and that was a really good day in Izzy's life. They've kind of got to, his kids and her kids have got to be the doctor in the future, right? Because they have, yeah. they have so much doctor genetic material in them one way or another. That they they've to. they've just got to be the doctor. They however yeah. even if she they can't act. She's the doctor's daughter, and she's also the doctor's daughter. Yeah, she's the as doctor's... well as being the doctor's wife. Yeah, she's like the doctor's daughter. So the children are the grandchildren of a doctor, the do- the daughters of the daughter of a doctor, and the daughters of a doctor, oh, and probably the grandparents of the doctor as well, because they've that often happened, doesn't it? They go back in time and then they they're doing themselves. It turns it's out it's really complicated. That's what happens in doctor. So they've got to be Doctor Who. Yeah, um, both of them. If there's two of them, maybe maybe they haven't done that two before. Doctors. The doc- two doctors at once, yeah. regenerating to two people who can't act but just are related to other doctors. <laughs> I think that would be good. Uh, so it's a good. That's a good, enjoyable show. Setisopo is that how you say Setisopo? Well, Setisopo, really. Setisopo. I mean, it should be really sort of like or whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. how you say it. But I oh, don't um, get into talking backwards. I had to do that on Taskmaster, and that was disastrously badly because I tried to work out. Not I should have just talked, but I should have spelt it backwards and read it out, and that would have been close yeah. enough. But yeah. I tried to work out how to say letters backwards, and it did not work. That's... All I know is Zorcis is Cisaurus. <laughs> and how do you know that? Because I was a very lonely teenager and I played with my friend Andrew Kitching's dad's PC and he yeah. had a little recordy thing and you could play it one way and then listen <laughs> to right. it backwards. I think I think when I was um yeah, it was something like um Ole, yes, Lebozai, which is <laughs> Isabel, say hello yeah. <laughs> Which um sort of sort of teenage girl I was. Yeah, know? well you'd really have done well on Taskmaster. You'd have done well on Taskmaster. I think that's the reason Daisy May Cooper basically started mm. to dislike me was because I couldn't speak backwards. I think that's a, that's a good skill not to be able to do, though. I think it's a bit <laughs> we'll freaky. Let's see. We'll see. Um, so that's a very good podcast. I was listening to... I, will, I mean, Zedlist, Deadlist has been going for a long old time because I yeah. did that... Uh, 2015, I think. Right, yeah, did. yeah. Because yeah, I, yeah, I did 2015. So how, was, how long has it been, it been going? A while since 
then as well. Wait, been going about a year. I I, I started it at the end of 2014 because I had an idea. I was driving with Paul Sinha to a gig going, my career sucks. And he was like, yes, it sounds like it does. And I was going, I need to do a show about stuff. And he goes, what are you reading at the moment? What are you doing? And I was like, I'm just reading all these history books. I love history. He says, do a show about history. I said, no, I can't think of anything. And then I came up with the idea of the Zedless Deadless, which is all the obscure people in history that don't make the big news story because at the time, and still to this day, I'm an obscure comedian who doesn't make the big things. So therefore, celebrate the little people. Yeah. Because they're fucking nuts. Right. And so I did, um, I put it together and I thought, this is a really good idea, but I don't want to do all this work. So I'll get other people to come in, do all the research for me. Then I'll do a few jokes here and there and say, and uh, then they'll pay me. And that and it works. It, it really did work. Worked. And it's, well, yeah. it's a good, it is a good idea. Well, because, but you know, even being an obscure figure in history, means you're quite, uh, you know, comparative to most of the mm. human race. You are incredibly well known. Certainly when you go back to like the Roman times as one of the ones I was listening to, you know, an obscure figure is someone who survived from all those millions and millions of people who <laughs> we will not remember. But I think it is, it does, it brings up some interesting questions about the nature of fame because even people who are trying to be famous, so like people in show business, most of them will be totally forgotten. And even ones who are successfully famous in their own time in show business, most Completely. of them will be totally forgotten. Well, uh, I, I did I did for my for, for my degree, Richard, because yes. I am an educated woman. I know. Um, I did my um, big sort of like, um, what's, what do you call it? I was going to say diploma. That's not right. Thesis, Dissertation. There you Dissertation. go. Dissertation. Dissertation. And I did it about basically female comedy because I thought I can get all this time to go to stand-up comedy shows and call it work. So, um, and I was looking at like the musical people and that sort of stuff and like, you don't know any of them. No. They're none of them. And like people like uh, Marie Lloyd, you might be vague of, you know, this is a female singer of some sort. No, brilliant comedian. When she did no radio, no TV, she didn't make it into America because she travelled with a man who wasn't her husband. <laughs> right? In a boat together. <laughs> so a bit, bit much. But when she died, over like 50,000 pe- people lined the streets for her funeral. She right. didn't do any radio or TV. And you're just like... She had a you know. podcast, and she did have a podcast, so it, it could have she been did. it could have been that had a very yeah. early podcast. But yeah, it's you know, and but people from I mean, even people from the seventies and eighties, even people from the nineties who were on TV, mm-hmm. people wouldn't know who they were. Now there was you know some who were big stars in the nineties and had their maybe four TV shows, and a lot they could walk down the street now probably untroubled. But uh, yeah, but like some like every now and again a name comes like David. I think David Nixon was one that came up recently who was like one of the biggest stars of the fifties, and just like nobody would. You know, nobody who wasn't alive in the fifties would have any idea. Who he was. So it's it's sort of incredible to to even find your way into the history record and be remembered a little bit. I just listened to sort of two recent ones at random, which were both very interesting in different ways. And what it's a good format because it's a it's a half an hour to an hour, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. You, you do on do on each subject, and um, you you know you learn a lot. You, there was the one that you did about Amelia Dyer, who is the Yes. Reading base. I lived down cereal. the road from where I know. she was. What I liked most about it was how excited you were to live near a, a, a horrific <laughs> serial killer. serial killer in history. It's just on the. <laughs> but, no, I'm uh, very but, pleased to find that. But that is very interesting. You know, that given how uh, prolific the serial in, serial killer industry is, to find like somebody who is again a prolific killer uh, who is not well known is pre- and, and she may be killed. You know. More thousands of people, but she's certainly hundreds of people. 
Certainly, yeah. And so like babies. people, though, babies. Babies. Nobody cares. Well, they're tiny, sort of, they, they squeak. Yeah. Sort of worse, isn't it? Because you've taken more, yeah. certainly in, in COVID sense. rules, you've taken more life away by killing yeah. a baby than you have by killing an eight-year-old. You know, you've, they... It's also her motive was a bit... The weird thing was she was very... She was kind of psychotic in the sense that she liked yeah. to watch, which yeah, is so a bit... Yeah. But she was mainly doing it for money. It was a cash thing. Yeah. So it's like... Cause, the way the way the government was set up back then, it wasn't very nice to ladies. What? Because <laughs> the thing is that you don't realise is like so they introduced this poor law back in the eighteen thirties, and you'd think, oh, brilliant poor law. So they had the workhouses, Ugh. and the, it was uh, it's this idea that nobody, you know, no no child left behind. Well, what they did was they made it so that if you're a mar- if you weren't married to your you know to your child's you know, mother, um, you had no financial responsibility over that baby at all. So which lift which basically meant men could just you know because the problem was women were shagging too many people that was yes. the problem in Victorian Britain, that is the problem it's, everybody. Still, it's still the problem and it's other exactly. it's different it's people it's a huge issue we just we just go and shag everything we don't yeah. get ourselves fixed beforehand so um so all these women were having babies the fathers would go away and of course they can't afford to look after a baby particularly on a woman's wage at all um there's no abortion at this time that's safe Certainly, and this type of abortion was was not safe and a bit. Um, so, and also, you don't always know, and it's a bit late anyway. So, you have the baby, and you think, oh well, why don't they just give it to an orphanage? Because in order to get your baby into an orphanage, you needed to have parents married, yeah, or married and dead, and that was it. And so they would literally, you'd find Victorian babies on the street like KFC wrappers. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, so, it's, that was a very interesting fact from that that, that came out there. But uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it, but well, I was this. I was as I told you before, and I was listening to uh, Mary Beard's SPQR book, and mm. um, the Romans just left kids out. If, the, if they they just left kids on the hillside as well, and, and a lot of slaves. Like Spartans as well. Spartans loved that. Uh, yeah, but a it's lot of slaves. Spartan. A lot of slaves were just babies that people had gone and picked up from the baby dumping place, and then they they brought them up and they were slaves. So this woman, uh, Amelia Dyer, was uh, just She's cutting out that part. Service. She was just yeah. so she was. People were paying her to take the babies away, yeah. And then she, rather than bringing them up like she said she would, she just chucked them in the canal. That was yeah, strangled exactly. them. Exactly. Strangle them first. I mean, it's not a nice story. She left evidence. You know. Yeah, she did leave evidence. It's not a nice story, but it's it's a yeah, it's an interesting. Been dead by podcast. now, anyway, Richard. We can we can have a go at them. And you and you them. recorded that one in the street as you walked to her house, and yeah. then and then it's <laughs> with, just with, with with like literally in front of her house that <laughs> yeah. she killed the babies in, just going. This is the house where they killed the baby. With people walking to their jobs, and you go, no, I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed because people can hear me talking about. Babies. It's, it's very enjoyable. And the other one I listened to was, and I, I can't remember his. Uh, uh, well, he, he had a difficult to pronounce name. He had the Hadrian's Emperor Hadrian's lover, oh, yeah, Antoninus. Um, Antinous. Antinous, yeah. Antinous. Yeah. Yes. Which again, um, Antino- you know, and a little. Yeah. I'd kind of heard of him, but I think only probably because I just been listening to this book about Rome. But uh, yeah, so it's you know, it's it's to find the and I did uh, the Felix Yusupov, uh, who I was writing a play oh, yeah. about at the time. But you you know, and you find these little stories, and often they uh, they shine a light on the on the bigger story and. If you can find the way in, and if you know enough about them, which obviously in Roman times, you know, it's kind of crazy that that yeah. there's loads of statues of him because he sort of became a god. So sexy, he's yeah, the sexiest he's sexy, teenager ever. Sexy teenagers. So sexy. It's good. So that's very well worth listening, to. and I think a very good idea. And um, 
I don't know. It, it feels like a sort of TV idea as well. To oh, me. I've tried. Have you? Oh, you you love this. Yeah. I got through to like the last rounds. You know, when you go into the BBC and you go, here are my pictures. Look at my pictures. I get rejected so much. And I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in in the up in the elevator in the floor on the comedy floor. Ooh, here I am in front of all the comedy people. Oh, you're few to the final round. Do you know who got ahead of me, Richard, in that particular commission? Mrs. Brown's boys. Richard fucking Herring. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the same club, so you beat it. Your idea was better than the Z-List. Was so, it? Well well, well, it was a radio show, was it? Yeah, it was a radio show oh, yeah. that, that was I was that... same slot for. Yeah, so well yeah. done. It's sad that I know it was a radio show, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they don't make... They're not investing in television. That's the thing. Oh, I'm investing. sorry. Well, they should definitely have made your show. What was that? My objective show? Was it objective? Yeah, no, I it was... think so. I think it was... was I can't it? remember it exactly. Maybe it's now. relativity. It like 2016 or something. I don't uh, know. No, but anyway, relativity was... is better than that. Yeah, so that's fine. That's fair. They made the right choice there. Um, exactly. And uh, and the other podcast that I've been on recently, talking about um, cloacas, as I like to do, oh, yeah. uh, mm. was uh, Terrible Lizards, which I would like it if it was just a podcast about just disappointing reptiles in general, rather than about dinosaurs. Yeah. Terrible lizards. Here's <laughs> a lizard. Just like... It's just shit. <laughs> it's, it's a bit sick. <laughs> it's not it's very good, it. this one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's about so dinosaurs, which, are, which yeah. are, I guess, more interesting than just bad lizards. Pretty good. They're pretty good. We that came about weirdly through gin at a party. What happened was I was uh, I was at a showbiz party with Mary Beard. Wow. So she was there. It wasn't really a proper showbiz party. It was Tom Holland's party. So Tom Holland is the um, historian who I um, did making history with. Yeah. And he has teenage daughters who were in charge of mixing the drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so you know how a, a, a teenage daughter comes and she goes, what would you like to drink? And you say, oh, can I have a gin and tonic? And they go, okay, so that's half gin, half tonic up to the top. There you go. So that's that's what that's what was happening. And Tom Holland is this sort of amazing man. So he knows all of these fabulous historians, but and he writes his own fabulous history books. And then he's a big fan of cricket. So it's, there's loads of cricketers in there. And there's also all the teenage girls' friends and their parents and um, his wife used to be a BBC producer and is now a midwife, so it's full of midwives. And because Tom is also a big fan of paleontologists right. and paleontology and dinosaurs, it's full of paleontologists. Well, ah. I had about three, but that's as bad as many as there are. So <laughs> I walk in there and I'm, I'm chatting to a few people, a few people I know are there, and I'm, I'm having a drink. And I sit down and I go, hello, I'm Izzy, how are you? And he goes, hi, Izzy, did you used to go to Bristol University? And I was like, Yes. And he says, yeah, I'm Dave. We used to live together. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how drunk I was. Anyway, it turns out that my friend Dave, who used to keep weird insects in his bedroom, um, is now a world-renowned paleontologist who knows right. everything about dinosaurs and is absolutely fascinating. So um, then we said, oh, and he's, oh, you make podcasts. I really like podcasts. And then, of course, COVID happens. But my diary just went, hey, we're really, 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 really busy, really busy. And absolutely nothing yeah and so i sort of rang him up and said do you want to try doing the podcast and it turns out dinosaurs are rather popular <laughs> so we've got we've got quite a few dinosaurs we get sent pictures which is awesome yeah so you get sent pictures by seven-year-olds which are really cute and really awesome they've colored in and the professional paleo artists <laughs> also send us their pictures and we're just like oh <laughs> it's really quite cool. So yeah, um, it's been a lot of fun that, and I've been learning loads about dinosaurs. Yeah, well, it's, I was just listening yeah, to one them. on my uh, walk, my dog walk this evening, the latest oh. one with Andy Riley. Did uh, you check the stones for 
dinosaurs before you chuck them away. I didn't know. So, I they, even if uh, I did, I'd still throw them away. I was going up the hill yeah. this time, so I wasn't doing stone clearing. Because oh. that would be rude to stone clear and listen to your podcast at the same time <laughs> at one and a half speed, so I could get through it quicker. Um, <laughs> it's the last minute cramming. Um, it's uh, well, I I was I was talking about cloacas and and dinosaurs, sexual organs. Did you get loads and loads of people emailed me, regardless of being on your podcast? I think when mm. a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, they, the there was there was the cloaca was discovered. The imprint of an actual cloaca. <laughs> yeah, it's very so, exciting. So it's very deep. It was very deep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all one thing—a cloaca. It's, it is. It's not. But some of them couldn't have had cloacas. I mean, I think those were on a sort of protoceratops-type creature, weren't they? They were sort of you know little small dinosaur with a sort yeah. of you know little spiky horn cheek things. But but like some of them couldn't have. So the ankylosaurs, which are the big sort of like swingy tail. Physically, you couldn't because they've got so much armor on them. Yeah, couldn't have got anything in there. Do it. It's a massive dick. Yeah, just massive, (laughs) like really, because they got they got to get round all that armor. Yeah, and they got to get and they can't flip over because they they're just too wide. They're just you know they'd stay unless they only had sex once and they did it missionary position. Yeah, and then yeah, Um, and and then then the the bottom one, the man went on the bottom. Yeah, exactly. That could work. Yeah, riding cowgirl. (laughs) Maybe that's uh, what paleo. Lake Cretaceous. Actually, yeah. I think they're even before that. I think you get you certainly get ankylosaurs in Jurassic. I don't know if you get them in. No, you wouldn't get them in early Jurassic. You know I'm, a lot of stuff. About? You know a lot of stuff, Izzy. That's very, and you retain it, and that's the that's the beauty of being relatively young. And that I it's... I listened to the podcast, and I can't even remember the name of the dinosaur you were talking about with the one with the the, the hey Fonzie Iguanodon. Of course, it is. Um, and uh, yes, that's Iguanodon's fight. One, two, three, four. I declare. <laughs> was good that was a good um, joke yeah. um yeah so that's great that's worth listening to and i haven't listened to this one yet and i am a british museum Ooh. member Ooh, but there you we do go. well you do a podcast about the british museum which i you know is sort of my dream gig and given i am a british museum member i think like when, when me and andrew collins did uh, we did a parody of um the history of the world in 100 objects on our and we chose <laughs> we did his well, it wasn't a parody we just did our own lives in 100 objects on our radio show. Unfortunately, it didn't run to 100 weeks, so we didn't get through 100. But I think the I think the British Museum got in touch with me and said, oh, you know, would you be interested in coming and doing some comedy at the museum? And then it never happened. Um, yeah. But you basically get to talk to all the experts and go around and... and... Yeah. Oh, any, any, like, visiting, like, you know amazing academic comes in they go hello i'm the best academic in the world and you say hello i'm quite clever but i'm an idiot i know nothing about your subject can you tell me things please and it's really great because you yes. get you know to learn stuff so yeah that's um because i got that because i started performing the z this dead list which they called stiff competition which is so funny um, <laughs> at the museum itself and so and from that, they sort of said, oh, we've got all of these old tapes of all the old lectures and stuff. and We don't know what to do with them. Should we make them into a podcast? And I was like, yes, you should. Can I can I do what I can? I can set you up. I'm perfect for this. And so I started doing that. And it's it's available for everybody. We call it the member cast, because basically what they're hoping is people go, I didn't know the British Museum have a membership. Right. It is quite annoying. I'd like to know all of this without her there. Can you please give them money? Uh, and, and so, yeah, so um, and being a member of the British Museum is brilliant. So well done you you get extra bonus points from me for that that's um a great way yeah, to apart from science. apart from all the stealing but apart yeah. from that 
You well, just have to ignore the stage. You just have to know I'm a member as well. I, to... I've literally, I've, I've literally gone on stage there and called it the Finders Keepers Museum and got in huge trouble. And probably repeating that now is probably going to get me in huge trouble. Yeah, but... you're, you're probably right. They're probably not but, listening. Uh, and we yeah. and you should join the British Museum because it's great and you get to go in ahead of everyone else. You get there's a you there's too. a little there's a little room upstairs where you can have coffee. Yeah. I mean, you have to pay for the coffee. And cake. But... And yeah, cake. cake but you could go i i sort of start when i was living in london i started thinking i should come to the british museum every day and just do my mm. work in here and then i can go down and look at exhibits but i didn't uh if you could british museum the british museum and yeah. uh take anything you wanted from it i'm doing a different version of my question but and take it home and it's yours if the british museum said we'd love the podcast so much you're allowed to take anything you want from this museum and take it home with you which and that includes visiting stuff as well. Which um, which what what object what objects maybe would you would you take? I mean, with? Uh, what that pings into my head hmm. and it's just pinged in that is the Tring tiles because they're oh, fucking hilarious. Do you know the Tring I tiles? Don't, I should know the Tring tiles, but I, I, it brings oh, about what no. Well, they're just me. up. If you go, if you walk in the British Museum and you go up round the corner and then up round again, they're on the wall behind the thing. Right. What they are? They're medieval tiles from Tring. And they show Jesus Christ the teenage years. <laughs> it's so good. It's like Jesus getting angry with people and killing them and then bringing them back to life. It's wonderful. And it's like, there's like a set of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, but about eight or nine of them. And they're just, ah, oh, they're so funny and so good. So I'd love those in my kitchen. That is good. That's but, in the apocryphal testaments, isn't it? There's there's stuff yeah. about him killing, killing loads of kids or turning them into... But because it's... Medieval as well. They're they're really picturesque. So when they they kill somebody, they don't just have them sort of like lying dead or like going uh, like this. No, because it's medieval, they have them flipped upside down. <laughs> so like he killed them by like pile driving them into the ground. It's just like magic. Right. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna yeah. look out for them next time I'm there. String tiles. String I th- tiles. imagine they're on the online on on the collection online because the collection's really fun. If you ever get bored, that's what I do when I'm bored. I just go random object in the collection. Ooh. <laughs> it's usually somebody's gusset or something. It's weird. Yeah, good. I think I, the the library used to be in the museum, didn't it? The British Library, yeah. and I think I Same did. Thing, I went. Yeah. To, uh, that's where Karl Marx and everyone wrote inside that little central. But it's now where they put exhibits on in there, don't they? But I did when I worked on the uh, Macmillan Encyclopedia of the Royal Family. I think I went and researched in there. I did definitely did Ooh. some research in there before it moved Why were you locations working on the Macmillan encyclopedia in 1990 the i would say i was probably there and it was one of the first jobs stuart worked on stuart and my friend tim richardson got a job working for the macmillan um uh, encyclopedia of i want to say gardening but it was better than gardening it was like a massive it had aldous huxley's nephew or something it was like one of the huxleys it was this big guy who's in charge and just you know 90 something uh, and uh, it was a massive encyclopedia they were working on. And then they said, "Oh, there's another job come up, and you know, would you go and research the royal family for this?" So, what did you, what did you, what lie did you insert in? So I didn't get much. It well, the main lie I did was um, how many hours I'd worked on it nice. <laughs> <laughs> when I submitted my uh, claim for, which I think is probably why, in the end, a few of my bits did end up in it, um, but I was I wasn't credited. And they sort of stopped asking me to do it. And I think it's probably because they thought he's charging quite a lot of money. But it was ridiculous. You know, it was I don't think it was that good, but it was something like ten pounds an hour, which at the nice. time was an absolute that's fortune uh, no, to no, me. And I wasn't I wasn't earning, I wasn't earning any money. And you could just you just told them how long you'd been working. 
But I ended up going, this is when I ended up, I've talked about this a lot before, but I ended up going to Buckingham Palace to go to use the library. And then I was trying to get a pass to get in and I was sort of misdirected and end up going into Buckingham Palace, into the right, into the heart of Buckingham Palace and not being stopped by anyone, carrying a mat. I was using a big camera case as my briefcase at the time. And it was the day that all the world leaders were going to be in Buckingham Palace having a big meal later on. And I walked in and then just walked out and said to a bloke with a spike on the end of his gun, um, I can't find the admissions office. I need to go. And I was meant to go outside and go all the way. So, yeah, so I, and I, and I used a toilet. I used a toilet at Buckingham Palace when I was researching. Well uh, but yeah, was it a the, Queen's went... toilet? Can you tell? Is there a, like? I don't think it was one the Queen used. I, you know, I no sort big of spikes. Or... I, I'm disappointed because Michael Fagan got into the Crown, and he's the guy who crept into the Queen's bedroom mm. and wanked in her ear. They don't say that in any of the dramas, but he wanked in her ear. That's what I heard at King's Wessex School. They told me that. Um, and uh, said no. I've heard. Said I can't no. find anything anywhere else about it. But that Kevin Adams at school said that he wanked in the Queen's ear, and you know, you wouldn't. How would you make something like that up? Um, and yeah, he's in this crown and I'm, they don't have the crown, Richard Herring walking right into the middle in broad daylight. Should do. Yeah. And then they could have talked to me about what it was like being a middle-class bloke on the enterprise allowance, trying to become a comedian. And I could have said, could you make it a bit easier to get gigs? And the queen could go, I think, think about it. No, no. No, no, um, I won't do anything. Very difficult to write a drama where the protagonist does nothing. <laughs> this is her role. She does nothing. It's so hard doing nothing. It's yeah, it's really odd. But anyway, the but. the problem with the British, uh, the Macmillan Encyclopedia of the Royal Family was that it basically came out about the same time that the Royal Family imploded, and so was immediately irrelevant. And I only ever saw it. I saw it in Bath in a remainder bookshop, and I don't know why I didn't buy it. But it was, it was still. I don't what know. Did I didn't have. Say, they didn't send me did, a copy, and I didn't have a copy. And it's only a thin thing. And I didn't. I don't know why. It could only have been two quid or something. But yeah. I was poor at the time, and so still didn't buy it. Yeah, I would love to quid. have had a copy. If anyone's got a copy of the encyclopedia, I wrote the uh, the Isle of Wight and the Isle of Man are definitely in my entries. You know, it was a lot of research for like you'd go and research, yeah. and then you'd give in eighty words about a place. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, Thanks. that's good. That's it's all very exciting. And have I missed any of your podcasts out? Making history, we we did making mention. history, which is radio, a radio and then turned into a podcast, yeah. which was you know that's that's like proper. That's a treat. That is because I used to work for National Archives, um, similar to you, except I was just doing data entry and reading off Latin and trying to put it in. And I was reading the wills and probates of people and putting them in the computer so that people could look up the wills and probates of people. And my God, it was mind numbing work, but it paid, I think, £12 an hour. And it, I was between school and uni. So I was like, yes, uh, it's the best paid job I had ever. Anyway, so I, I was doing um, that. And, and the thing is, with the uh, you know the the national archives it's like a sealed building of like the, it must be shut because of covid because none of the air can get in and i've been back a couple of times and one time was floor making history where i was i was just researching into passports and i knew what arses they can be and how difficult it can be to get them to do anything and suddenly i was doing a bit which three minutes we had three minutes and i spent an hour they laid out the development <laughs> of every single passport in history i got to touch a passport that queen elizabeth had signed wow you know the first like yeah and i was like oh this is like kissing her <laughs> and you know it's just amazing and she is like there is no reason for it that i can understand other than she was queenie but she signs her name this big 
on everything. She must have had to sign hundreds of documents a day with like, you know, all her cardinals around, not cardinals obviously, but all her privy councils around her going, come on. And she's going, Elizabeth, you just, she was, yeah, insane. It was cool. But yeah, no, just the luxury of doing that. And that's what radio does for you. It just opens these doors and you just get to go in and, like you say, with the British Museum, touch everything. Yeah, it is. Well, that is, it's nice to get that access. That's what I want. I just want, if anyone's done a British Museum, watching sorry about this thing i said about you stealing yeah. everything can yeah, i just no. come in and touch pete marsh yeah. and the sutton new helmet that's all i want to do i just want to can i put <laughs> on the sutton new helmet that's all i want to do can I just put on the sutton new helmet yeah. it's a bit small <laughs> I, i'd bit still give it i've got a very big head i will break it but exactly i would like to try it on please thank you uh-huh. and i've got my own podcast and i'll tell people to become members of the british museum for free yeah, if you exactly. do that oh done I've, I've done it for free already um if you could travel back to any historical period, not just your finger, all of you, Izzy. Oh, all of me. Oh, yeah. okay. Where would, uh, hey, where would you go? What would you be your, if you could go back one time to one historical place and time, where would you go? Oh. If you were Doctor Who and you weren't the opposite of God, you were I'd be God. really interested to see Nassau in like 1717 or 1716 or something, see the pirates and that sort of thing. I'd be okay. very interested to see how much of a decrepit sort of like cesspool of vice it really was right because basically what happened is the british just there was the spanish war of succession because of king charles with his big fat tongue couldn't have babies he couldn't he could eat food so you know having babies was a bit beyond him bless him his 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 family tree was literally like there's mummy there's daddy and there's mummy and daddy (laughs) it's just like literally a stump um and he bless him. Anyway, he he died without leaving a you know king, and the, all the British and all the French and all the Spanish had a big argument about who would succeed him. There's big war, and they basically sent a load of British people down to the Caribbean and stuff, and then they just left them there when the war ended. So they were all down there to help fight, and they said, "Okay, the war's over, bye." And all the guys went. What? And they took away their license to attack Spanish ships, which is what they'd been doing. They were basically being pirates for the British, going, right. we're attacking Spanish ships because that's what you want, because this is a war. And then suddenly, oh no, we're off. And then all these dudes just go, I have no money, I have no land, I have, unfortunately, no slaves either. What What the hell do I do? I'll be a pirate. <laughs> um, and I really would be love to sort of see Blackbeard and all of that sort of, it really captures your imagination. And yeah, Charles Vane, was he really is horrible as they say and yeah no i like pirates so cool. probably pirates that's good i was going to ask a supplementary question the answer might be the same in that i was Ooh. uh uh when i was in a writer's room we came up with the a concept called horny time traveler in which uh someone got, had a time travel ability <laughs> but just used it to go back in time to have sex with historical figures mm. um if you could have sex with anyone in history who if you could go back in time because you wouldn't it wouldn't take much you go back with an iphone it wouldn't even you could just charge it and, I mean, and a time machine, to be fair. But and I have your iPhone going, look, I'm magic, I can do this. And they go, OK, I'll, you know, Queen Elizabeth would have sex with you, whoever you wanted. Is there any Is there any historical figure you would... I don't uh... know if Queen Elizabeth would have sex with you because you had an iPhone. I think, I think she, she would. It was quite difficult to have sex with No, I think, with, I think an iPhone... I mean, don't take or, a long time. <laughs> or, you know, or a whisk. Just the whisk. Go, look at that, I've got a whisk. They might have had whisks. Uh, or a... Uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know. Whisk was the second thing that I came up with. Imagine, um, imagine, imagine somebody came back in time, Richard, to you right now, yeah. and said, "Look, I've got a whisk." <laughs> I'd have sex with them. <laughs> they said it's a whisk that's, from the. That's they said it's a whisk from the future, and I say it looks just like a, the whisk we have now. And they go, but it isn't. It's from the future. I go, okay. 
Do you know what this is? This yeah. is subconsciously a lower low getting into our brains. <laughs> right, does and it? Because every time they mention naughty sex with Nazis, it would yeah. be wet celery in a whisk. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's that. That's what I it is. It's gotten but in there. You could, you know, you could say, oh, I, I predict the future. You could do a biff. You could come back with a sport almanac and tell them who was going to yeah. win. I don't think you need to do that, though. I think, you know, people are people. You could just give them a bit of money, maybe, or, okay. you know, just convince them. Don't I think, I think... ruin it. Look Sorry, at my teeth. Okay. Look at my teeth. They're comparatively yeah, nice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But the teeth weren't too bad pre-Tudor. Okay. I mean, really? pre-Tudor because there's no sugar. Oh, true, yeah. It was the sugar that did it. That's yeah. gave everybody black teeth. Um, But, ooh, where would I go? See, this is, this is the thing. I know, give me... Get, uh, Cleopatra the seventh, why not? Okay, that's good. the coming at you, Cleopatra. She's she's <laughs> quite fun. Uh, she had sex with a lot. I'd manage she'd be quite good at the sex. Yeah. Um. I'd oh, I'd also like to see. I'd like to be. I wouldn't like to have sex with her, but I'd like to see what Julius Caesar looked like when he first invaded Alexandria when she was a teenager, because she fancied the pants off him, and he was in his fifties. But right. he was in his fifties and managed to swim the entire length of um the port, the sort of like harbour bit. Yeah. While the Egyptians were firing arrows into the water and he was the only guy who did it, which sounds like the sexiest scene I've ever seen in my life. He literally took his cloak off. All his mates were dying around him. There were ships burning and he just dives in and goes in and he's just like, you know, you know, God, his 50s doing that. Yeah, fuck yeah, that's pretty good. Um, So I'd like to see that. I don't know yeah, if I'd like to have sex with good. either of them, but uh, that would be a good moment to sort of go back to. and just Got to have sex with them in this season. part of the question. You've got to, got wherever to you go, you've got to have sex with the person. That's oh, wow. the whole point of the question. That's, it's not that you're not getting is... a second chance to travel back and do something cool. You're going well, back. Probably, I'd probably prefer to, you know, obviously go with... A lady right. for that for the reason I don't particularly I want to avoid as many sexually transmitted diseases as possible. Okay. Uh, for that reason, obviously we're going to have to go back. Um, no, actually, I think I think one of my heroes, little little known heroes, a woman called Margaret Murray, who okay. lived. Um, uh, she she basically spent a time. She's a tiny little lady, so you know, little fingers, nice. And she uh, good for that reason. But also, she she spent her days um, when she was like young unwrapping mummies, which is what they did in like the late nineteenth century. Unwrapping mummies, going, "Hey guys, look, it's mummy. Oh, it's stinky," because um, they had so many Egyptian mummies that they'd nicked um, <laughs> and, and get them find out as much as you can. And then later on, she started to um, decipher all the hieroglyphs and she worked out all the spells. And then she went a bit bit into the spells. Right. A little bit. And she sort of like said things like, I can do the spells. And then she sort of said, I won World War One because I got the thing where the Kaiser got sick. And that was me. That was me. <laughs> I did the spell. And everybody went, oh, my God, she's mad. And then but she was also helping every single great Egyptologist who then made their names in the 20s and 30s. She was working in UCL and she's like known as the witch of UCL. Anyway, she'd, oh, okay. she'd be she's she was banging. Yeah, good. I'm going back to her as well now. We're going to have to fight over her. Yeah, okay, fair yeah. enough, I'd win. Yeah, a witch would be good. You I know, it'd be nice you. to have a witch. I think I'd go back to one of the proper witches from the olden days when they re- when there were real witches. There were proper witches. Mm. The ones I'd get, I'd get one that had been just about to be burned, and then I'd yeah. rescue her, and then she'd that would have I'd rescue her with a whisk. Marjorie Jules Yeah, like I don't too. know. I don't know if a whisk would even impress. You know, in the thirteenth century, they'd be scared of it. Go get back, or I'll I'll fire this thing. I mean, I mean, you could you could pick a man who got burnt as a witch as well, because quite a few did. No, yeah. you could misunderstood. Do. Don't need to be so narrow. <laughs> this is before <laughs> lots of things that would make it nasty and difficult without condoms. So okay. I'm just saying. 
All right, yeah. fine. I'll give it a go. I want Charles II with his big tongue. That's that's yeah. That's why he didn't ever <laughs> have kids because he just he never so got past so the cunnilingus that's part. He go, no, stay with us a bit. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, he was, yeah, he he nearly suffocated in bed at night because his tongue was so large. It was so sad. I mean, I, I feel really bad taking the piss out of him, but he was monarchy. And I think monarchy, you have to, because why don't they abdicate immediately, the idiots? <laughs> anyway. Good. Oh, and we should, uh, yeah. we, we should talk. I've got loads of things to talk to you about. Cool. And we've, we've wasted our time talking about Whisks and Doctor Who. But, you know, in a way, isn't that what this podcast is all about? I mean, um, it's a cheap Doctor Who anyway, a whisk, isn't it? It's like the mini TARDIS. Oh, shut up. Yeah. Right. Uh, it is, it's the opposite of a TARDIS, is a whisk. Yes, That's the opposite of a TARDIS. Because <laughs> you can't go anywhere in time and space with it. And it wouldn't, impress someone, it wouldn't impress someone if you could. Um, yeah. You've written a book, which has been out for oh, a yeah. whole year. And I have, oh, I've, year. Start, I've started this book. I haven't. It's for kids. It's for bloody kids. It's for kids. And I've still... No, but it's very... It's, it, I didn't know what to expect, but it wasn't what I was expecting for some reason. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, sort of a historical fiction about uh, mm-hmm. the suffragettes. Yeah, uh, so that exactly. we're t- are we around about 1910-ish? Is that the setting? Bang on! Um, Bang and on what I liked in seeing an interview with you, uh, that you, it, when researching this book, and this is Sir Izzy Lawrence, as we've discovered already in this, you researched the weather for every single day of this book, and <laughs> the weather is historically accurate. But this is the beauty of writing historical fiction, right? Yeah. Is that when you have writer's block, you can always do more research. <laughs> so that's I found I found that they used to print because before they didn't predict the future day's weather, they had the weather page where it told you what the weather had been. <laughs> so that's what I was doing. I was finding things. So it when it was a very rainy um November. So right. it rains a lot in the book. It's even got rain on the cover. The rain actually shines slightly on the cover. Oh, that's lovely. See. But they you go um but yeah no it's 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 a fun one and i got that because doing the zedlist deadlist i interviewed naomi paxton who's a fantastic comedian she does um a a, a comedy character called ada camp who's really really funny oh, anyway yeah. she did the zedlist deadlist and she's a researcher in sue suffragettes and she told me about edith garrod who is this tiny little woman who trained um emmeline pankhurst bodyguard so um when the Cat Mouse Act came in and you didn't want to get arrested anymore because no more was it about political protest. It was basically them torturing you. Thank you, Winston Churchill. Um, <laughs> he was Home Secretary. Mm. Anyway, so um, basically Edith Garrett trained them in all sorts of fine martial arts. So you had jiu-jitsu, obviously. You had schwingen. And you had even bartitsu, which he developed for women. So, um, yeah, no, so... That's that's so I found out about her and then that kind of didn't really make me think, oh, this make a great kids book. I actually started doing jujitsu, the traditional sort of jujitsu, <laughs> right. because why wouldn't you? I am now a dark blue belt. That's one away from oh. brown. That's one away from black. I can break your neck in six different ways. Good. But I only use two of them. Some rubbish at four of them. Okay. So, so just, you know. Um, so, yeah, I like I love jujitsu. Um, it became really part of my life and I wanted to share it as much as possible. And anyway, so when there was a gap in Radio 4's um, thing. We need a bit that will fit in this place. And I went, oh, let's do the suffragettes to do jiu-jitsu. And that's the thing. They were mad and they were terrorists. And it was brilliant. Right. Um, so I, I did I did that and it got made pick of the week. And when it got made pick of the week, it shared a lot of Twitter. And I saw that an editor from Bloomsbury had just gone, oh, that would make a great kid's book. And I just immediately <laughs> went, yes, it would. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and 
And she couldn't escape because she had said it and I was the person to write it. And poor Hannah had to edit it and she did a very good job. So, yeah, um, and that's how it sort of came about. But it was really fun to write, um, weirdly. Well, again, it's one of those subjects that people have an idea about and then actually the truth is much sort of more brutal and, uh, um, you know. But also it's that view on a world where you think, you know, it's just sort of unbelievable... You know, 1910, it's still unbelievable that women didn't have the vote in 1910, but it's, you know, but also all the other injustices and inequalities that even worse. Yeah, it was was a crazy time. And it was a time of, like, real uprising for unions and that sort of thing. It was a time of real, like, in 1912, the schoolboys went on strike. You know, it was big for strikes. I think in 1912 as well, that's when um, Liverpool had the... It was John Mann and the great sort of, like, union stuff and (laughs) the Home Secretary at the time. Who was that? Oh, yeah, Winston Churchill. (laughs) Sent a gunboat up the Mersey. Like he was going to fire on Liverpool. (laughs) It was that crazy and bad. And he had all these anarchist... um, explosions happening and you had yeah it was a really really mad time the Edwardian period just before First World War it was brilliant and and the thing is you kind of had this idea oh it was flowers in the sunshine and there was the Titanic but apart from that it was lovely <laughs> it was crazy and the suffragettes as well we have this really sort of weird mucked up idea that they were really meek okay they're really meek and they starved themselves and they were really meek and then the men eventually noticed and gave them the vote no 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 they exploded things burnt things down they cut phone wires they burnt pillar boxes which they were really bad at so they often just burnt themselves on the way to pillar boxes (laughs) and like the the women we mentioned the british library british museum women were not allowed in Hmm. we got banned because they're like all women not suffragettes all women were not allowed in the british museum without a man with them to make sure that they weren't going to blow stuff up or a letter from a doctor or a lawyer of a man of reputation wow. on a pre-arrangement that's how you got in to get to the library because women would just go in and smash stuff and go I want you to <laughs> so it was it was crazy and um i just thought you know and the jiu-jitsu is just lovely because it yeah, really was great. mixed martial arts before mixed martial arts. And sure. I thought this is a make a fun story. Yeah, so it's sort of uh, eight plus, kids eight plus. Yeah, that I mean, it's basically the same. It, it's the first Harry Potter book sort of age, that yeah. sort of that sort of age. Um, but yeah, I've had, I've had um, some six-year-olds who've read it and loved it. And okay. I've had some 56-year-olds who've read it and loved it. So, <laughs> you know... It, <laughs> Um, it's it's had a lovely reception, which is really nice. No, it's banging. So yeah, so that's still available. There's I was listening to the audiobooks on audiobook, which I, I yeah, like. Yeah, to listen and to read audiobooks. by a proper actress as well. Yes, do the accents, yes, it's lovely. It's very good. Um, <laughs> She's got <laughs> yeah. And other I'm, things. I'm, I'm... Go on, sorry. That's all right. I'm writing another one. Just, Are you? you know, it's out in autumn. Yeah. It's not of the set same. Then, though. No, set in a different mm. time. Oh wow. Oh, well, it might have a few Spitfires in it. Great. Oh, well, that's good news. So it's gone. It's gone well. It's gone well yeah, enough to no, do another gone... one, which is always a good. Yeah, time. I mean, it's gone well considering all the bookshops have been shut and yes. some the libraries. And... <laughs> well, it sort of came out about exactly a year ago. So just mm, as exactly well, my book came I out had my... about a month. Right, my <laughs> book came out as the second lockdown began. So the the shops oh, shut on the day my book came out. So that's always good. That's always good. good. Um, yeah. But you know, people are reading. Well, I think audio books have started doing pretty well in lockdown. Yeah. And I think, but. I think there was actually a bit of a bad period as, as in the beginning of the first lockdown when your book came out. So you've done well yeah. to survive that. But then I think actually book sales have gone up. People, I've been even I've been reading books. That's how insane it's gone. I know. I've I've got loads of so many good ones. 
I'm, I'm next on my list. I think is Natalie Haynes's a Pandora's Jar, which is oh, a bit yes. like the Coke can at the beginning. So, okay. Yes. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to that because I love Natalie. So. Yes, she's great. Must be, and I must and must be must come on this. You should. Podcast. She should. She'd she'd make you. She, you called me clever. No, no. <laughs> she. Oh my god. Like she does. She does historical fiction. I do it when you can actually like read stuff about the people and everything. She does the Bronze Age, right? And I was discussing this with her. She's like, Izzy, it's really difficult because I've got the scene and I want to describe how sexy this guy is, right? And how beautiful his skin is. So I said it was like an apricot. But this is the Bronze Age. They didn't have apricots. <laughs> what? <laughs> So it's just like, she's like, I'm putting it in. I'm going to get letters. And I'm just like, you're going to get letters. She's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it can get proper nerdy. So yeah. you've got to... I, my big thing was, there's a scene in my book where Lettuce gets thrown into a... Um, um, and a horse cart with full of horse poo and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, dust cart. And I wanted it so that she could be hiding in there. And because, you know, it'd be nice and covered and she could hide. But and I, I was really pleased with the scene and I wrote it. And I just thought, actually, I better research dust carts. And when and they didn't have covered dust carts until 1920. Oh. What? <laughs> it's just, yeah. So I had to rewrite that a bit. But there must have works. been one in 1910. The one bloke had the idea in 1910. It filtered through to 1920. Yeah, but you're going to get the dust cart lobby going, well, that's just, I can't I can't buy into this character anymore. That's, got why, you dust should, cart in uh, that's why you should oh, write right. about magic magic schools with wizards in them because you can do what you like them you, you can, can you yeah because it just goes magic <laughs> how do they get through yeah. that chimney oh magic how do they oh, why is the, that the big come thing from magic? i i found out about in recent episode of terrible lizards dave told me he revealed to me it's not in the book in the book the um spoilers here if you haven't read chamber of secrets um but the basilisk in the chamber of secrets is a serpent and in the film They've definitely made it with blinking eyelids and it's got a really obvious reptilian head. It's a lizard. It's a lizard. It's a legless lizard, which is completely different to a serpent. <laughs> no way could that thing speak parcel tongue. Right. So, oh. Except, except magic. Magic. It's magic. It's magic. Because it was a magic, it was a magic basilisk. It was a magic one that had that. That's, like, that's what I'm saying, JK, run and get away with anything. No, she can, she no, can literally. Have to have, that have woman, to have logic in there. That woman could say anything, and no one would get upset about it because she could like, just get away with anything. That's what JK fiction Rowan needs. Is. Like I, I was, I was having a debate once about best way to infiltrate Starship Enterprise if you're Romulan, right? And it has to be next generation Enterprise because they wear the onesies. They wear the onesies. They do not have any toilets on the bridge at all. They don't, there's never a scene where you have like <laughs> Captain Kirk pulling up his lunsey. So, oh, not Kirk, Picard, sorry. But, you know, pulling up his lunsey. So what must happen is O'Brien down in the engineering, what's he doing at that desk all day? Obviously, what he's doing is he's keeping the bridge content by beaming the we out yeah. of all of the bladders of the people on the bridge so that they're always like on it. Right. So if you're a Romulan, all you need to do is just beam aboard, attack O'Brien, and then beam all of the piss straight back into Picard at once. Yeah. And then they'd be just completely lost, needing a wee, and all down in their onesies, unable to run, and that sort of thing. And then you'd be able to get in there on time. See, it's things like that which yeah. make fiction important that you get it right. <laughs> you do have to get it right. Have you, you been do. watching Lower Decks? The, uh, I haven't yet. Um, I, I need to... I I, I, I will do. I've yeah, watched I think all the Discovery it. and stuff, but I have yeah. not yet to watch Lower Decks. I think you'll, I think you'll so, enjoy it. That, they could make that so. into an episode. Why don't you send that in as an episode? Um, before we go, 
You uh, cut your own hair during lockdown. Yes. It's that I you've mean, done pretty front, well. It's obviously, it's gone floof, but it's the back it's that good. you worry about. Yeah. It's all right. That's, no, that's very good. It's extremely Thank good. You. Um, you can draw a circle uh, to 95.2% perfection. I could. And that is on my silly little touch thing, which has a okay. clicky thing. And I was doing it on that screen rather than this screen. And it was difficult. Okay, I'll try and do my best circle now to see what you think this is. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a look at that. Okay, he cheated everybody. That's not that's not human. I just did that. That's amazing. No, you didn't. no, you didn't. I don't believe you. I'll do I think, it again. I think that was printed out. It is pretty bad. What I think you've one? got a compass down. That's a compass, see? That's just a compass. <laughs> you've actually got a little compass down there. A little You're doing bit. that every yeah. single time. Are you mocking me? I think I think actually you're just using the excuse to draw boobies now. That's, <laughs> that's all that is. There you go. That's my actually that's actually what my testicles look like right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about your testicles. No, yeah, it's all right. Well, hopefully, scary. it's hopefully it's uh, just takes a long time. I had time I had a out. gynecological situation which oh, turned you? out all right. Okay, but the 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 gynecological lady at the hospital's tools, right? She's basically there is no woman who looks more like a little mole <laughs> than you can imagine. She's like you know, coming at you, <laughs> which you know makes you want to sort of run away. But it was fine. It was fine. Okay. So good luck with that. Yeah, but hopefully, you know, I've had a good knock, yeah. so it's all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, they'll be. Like you've got any dependents or anything? Or they've done their duty, those guys down there. So as long as it's just, if it is, it's well, exactly. just them. Just whip them off, I say. Yeah. Whip well, you off. could do. You could do. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you could still perform. Yeah. But you couldn't. You couldn't. You know, do the rest of it. Yeah. I don't want to. I definitely don't want to do the rest of it. I, that's uh... the thing about you know when I say Cleopatra is at yeah. it all the time. You know, back then that's why you had eunuchs, is so that you could you know oh, without right. get risking pregnancy. They still did it. Did mm -hmm. they? Very frustrated eunuchs. All in the administration. The, anyway. the terrible thing about being a comedian is you just start thinking about all the brilliant the, the brilliant stand-up show you could do about... Even if the worst possible thing happens, you think, ah, oh, but it'd be good. I've got the the male eunuch. That could be the title. I've got I've got yeah. loads. Oh, amazing. I've already thought. I've already you start and I'll be disappointed a... if I'm all right. I will be very disappointed if I'm okay. You should start speaking in a Joe Pasquale voice for no reason. <laughs> It's so good. Um, it's very, you know, it's uh, it's all. It, it gives you. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping it's not anything because then I can go back to not caring and noticing how beautiful the world is. But you start to notice all that when you start to think, oh, yeah. you know, maybe I might die one day. You don't. I, I, even though what I'm obsessed happened? with death, I don't really think about it. And you do start to go, oh, this is nice. That life's nice, nice, nice. So the minute they go, it's all clear. I'll go, ah, oh, fuck it. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Don't exactly. have to worry about life being beautiful be. and. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoying it, I could just get on with it and uh, work my myself into the grave in another twenty years' time. I'll yeah. be happy. I'll be happy with another. I'd, my few daughter, more, my daughter's taken. six years old today. It'd be nice to. Wow. It'd be nice to uh, be around till they're both eighteen. That's, yeah. that's all. I'd but you know, if you die early, you'll really yeah. sort of like give them a really good story in their autobiography. Yeah. It'd be like a whole chapter just on you. Well, whereas if they're successful and you're still alive and around, yeah, no. you're not going to be so. Oh yeah, dad, whatever. Yeah, but see, my my son is only three. I don't yeah, think he, I don't. Remember, he, we won't he? remember. So I've got to stay alive. I've got to just try and hang on for two or three years. Just so yeah. I emotionally damage him, and then they'll yeah. become comedians because that that you need that. I've you got to make him really tragedy. like. If you were gonna die and you had kids, yeah, and they're Hot young kids, you guy? have to sort of think: Do should I behave like? Should I be a really nice dad so they remember in a really nice way, 
or should I be a really bad dad so that they don't remember me and don't care that I'm dead? And you have to make that kind of decision as well when you're thinking about yeah. this. So I've thought, I've this thought is, it all this through. This is the thing. This is the thing. Because that, that is the difference I've noticed. Because I'm bisexual, so I've dated men and women. And okay. I've noticed the difference is when a man wants to split up with you, he just ghosts you. He just right. stops replying to texts and he just goes, when a woman wants to split up with you, she starts to feel sorry for you <laughs> and she's extra nice to you so she can let you down gentle. No. And it's the worst strategy. Because <laughs> oh, you think, oh, this is a good relationship. Oh my God, things are going so well. And <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. I just stay in the relationship and hope the other person dies. That was my tactic. Not now. I love Mm. my wife and I want her to stay alive. But for a long time, it's just sort of, God, it'd be good if they would just die in an accident and get me out of this. Um, (laughs) Never happened. Never. All my lovers survived. I was never going to, you know, push it. But if if that could happen by accident. I've still not had sex with somebody that has subsequently died. So that's. Wow, I bet I have. Yeah, I bet you have. You've had sex with loads of people. <laughs> statistically, some of them. Statistically, I mean, some... you know, particularly after COVID. Yeah. You know, sort of people who have sex with you. And it was close. it was very very old men that was having sex with for a long period yeah. of time. So some yeah. of them must have gone. I think I think they probably they're probably a few. <laughs> Happy what a wonderful everyone. conversation to uh, to draw this to a close. Well, we started um, with your balls. We now... did. It comes it all comes. It's the circle of life. Exactly. They they well you know that but life but balls give you life. If they also kill you, that really is the circle of life. It's a wonder. We are wonderful. You came from balls and and balls and take you, you out. Back to balls. Balls yeah. take you out. Um, look, it's been lovely chatting with you, and yeah. I I have to recommend all of those podcasts are all excellent. Uh, the Thank book you. is excellent. Uh, I'm uh, only a little way into it, but it's uh, at the Unstoppable Letty Peg. Uh, buy that for yourself if you're uh, one of my fans, because you know you're going to enjoy it. Uh, or for children, if you are a normal person. Yeah. Uh, and, Please, uh, if normal people have watched this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you'll love uh, Izzy's podcast, because she's the biggest nerd I have ever met in my life. That can't be true. It is, and I've that met all of my fans. True. Well, like you're a dangerous nerd because you're a very clever nerd, and so you know about Deep. stuff. And but also, you know, that's it. That when you just remember all this stuff and you've got all that information to to hand, and you've researched things properly, it's very, very impressive. Uh, so the detail is what my is what the people who enjoy this podcast, because that's what this podcast is all about. It's about detail. It's about learning. That's what the Rehalistopers all about all the way um do good luck with the book good luck with the new book thank and uh, you. are you will you be back to stand up when we're back to stand up or is, is everything else taken I, over I, i'm kind of i had a show that i was working on called suffragettes versus velociraptors and i'm not sure <laughs> if i'm doing that because okay. it's a good one it doesn't yeah. go the way you think it would go okay so um yeah so i'm, I'm sort of I'm, I'm debating um what i'm doing really i yeah. mean I, I just I, I will do stand-up, whether I'll be doing it as a career or a hobby <laughs> in terms of financial reimbursement is another yes. matter. But I'm certainly, I love it too much to give it up forever. I just yeah. want to tell people stuff. Good. Yeah, well, you should face. and you must. But, the, but you know, it's it's wonderful that um, online is uh, is available to us right now. And uh, for you, yeah. it's, it's good that we're still managing to create stuff uh, before we hopefully get back into the real world and meet people again. 
Uh, it was weird good. doing a podcast with the actual guest in the same room as me, which was the last two. But it was not un- did... not nasty, but nice. But uh... during during the last thing when we were allowed, I did gigs in front of cars for Jericho comedy. Oh yes, that was really. That was odd. I had this thing. I was emceeing it, so I was doing like they had two shows going on at the same time, and I was doing bits for. But and I was emceeing, and as I was emceeing, I just had this Im- image because it was dark by now, and the front row of cars had switched their lights on to help sort of light stage. And it was quite thing. And all I was thinking as I was telling my joke was in my head. I was going, "What if they all turn their engines on? And they all just crept slowly <laughs> towards you. Yeah, it just never stopped. And wouldn't that be an interesting way to die? <laughs> Your headline act. <laughs> I think that, that about is... get audiences of people. What if the audience just got up yeah. and started walking towards the stage as one very slowly? We nearly, we had, I think me and Stuart had that same idea back in the, in the early 90s and thought about paying an audience to go into a comedian we didn't like and then just having a signal where the audience just oh. all stood up and then just started walking towards the stage in, in unison. That would be scary, wouldn't it? I remember being at a gig once, this must have been like early 2000s, and I was in the audience, I wasn't gigging, I was just watching, and some of the audience had decided they were going to muck this comedian up by just doing all doing a low hum. Right. It was horrible. Yeah. It was really horrible. I was like, wow. And I was watching somebody's ego just fracture in front of me, and I thought, yeah. I never want to do stand-up comedy, I'm not taking that. Those people are idiots. <laughs> people are awful, comedy audiences are awful, comedy fans are all idiots. And on that bombshell... Thank you very much. I love much. you, though. I love you. <laughs> well, I, I love you, but... Yeah, but everybody... Everything I said is true still. Uh, thank you very much, Izzy. Lovely to talk to you again. Lovely to talk to you too, Richard. I'll see you soon. Thank you very much. We're back next week. Uh, I don't have a guest yet, but there's some... I'm trying to get some guests from America coming up. I'm going to... Mm. And Jeremy Paxman is maybe two or three weeks away. Imagine that. Two or three weeks to Jeremy Paxman. Thank you very much. See you soon. Goodbye. You have been listening to Rahalasta Bar with me, Mish Terring, and my guest, Izzy Lawrence. Thank you to Pest for providing this music. I am indebted to Chris Evans, not that one, or that one, or the Daily Telegraph editor, or the politician one, um, who has done fantastic work in keeping all of this going over the years. Uh, thank you very much to Ben Walker also, and to everyone at ACAST, the British Comedy Guide, etc. Uh, this is a Fuzz Go Faster Stripe and Sky Potato production. Head to gofasterstripe.com and pick up some downloads books. You can get the problem with men there with a, a nameplate signed with cocks all over it, if that's your thing. Uh, and lots of downloads of all my shows. And also become a monthly badger. Why not? Gofasterstripe.com slash badges. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye.